So this morning, what we're uh, continuing on is the reality that we are on this journey together. We are on this amazing adventure-filled journey, and there's some awesome, exciting days, and there are some days when we, have, we really don't know what's happening and where we're going, but we trust God's working them all together for good, right? In fact, last year we talked about how there was another in the fire, <laughs> which I love sharing more of the shirt. Not, not, not was planned out, but the Spirit just was confirming everything. You're not alone. You're never alone. But the cool thing is, this morning we're, we're learning that 700 years before Nebuchadnezzar's blazing furnace, and double that, 1,400 years before the birth of the church at Pentecost, right? Another miraculous fire was burning. God called out from within this bush that was on fire, and yet it never burned up. Right? He called out to a guy named Moses. Most of us are familiar with this account. But Lord, this morning, through these familiar stories, Lord, breathe your fresh breath of air in them. Breathe your fresh breath of life. Bring fresh revelation that we had never seen before. Break up our hardened hearts and pierce them anew. Pierce them, Lord, so that we might be healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Again, as is the case many, many times, God was concerned for his people. We learned last week Jesus was very concerned for his disciples as he was getting ready to leave them. And here again in this account, God was concerned for his people. They were being harshly oppressed, and he heard their cries of suffering. And God hears your every cry as well. He counts your every tear. Those prayers, they're like an incense before him. He hears and he is answering. His salvation is on its way. God's people were still in that place in between. Where God told Abram to go and the land that was promised to him and his descendants. They were in the place between where the promise was given and where the promise was fulfilled. They were literally physically stuck in Egypt. Physically between the place of promise and the place of fulfillment. And we all know that, that can be a really discouraging place to be. It can be a comfortable place to be, though, because that's what we know. That's what was happening for God's people. They got comfortable in Egypt. Things were good there. They really didn't like change, and they really didn't want to embrace it. And so what happens when God has better things for us, but we settle for less? God has to start making that thing that we're settling for a little less pleasing. So he made things a little miserable for his people. That wasn't his heart, that wasn't his will, that wasn't his intent. His heart, his will, and his intent was to bless his people with greater things, better things than they could ever even imagine. But they were settling for less, so he had to start taking that less away. God remembered his promise, to, as he said to Moses. And we read about this here in Exodus chapter 3, if you want to kind of get ahead of me here. Exodus chapter 3, that's where we're going to be spending a little bit of time. So God remembered his promise and he said to Moses, So now go! I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, up out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the Israelites up out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Right? That promise. I will be with you. 
And, th- he, and how does he assure us that he's with us? Signs, miracles, wonders. He will give you a sign. God said, the sign that I am with you will be this, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. No. I, I, don't, I don't want a sign like that. I don't know about how you all feel. Like, that'll be the sign. When it's all done, and when it's all done. You're going to come and worship here on this mountain. I I want signs along the way. I want to know the way. I want to make sure I'm going the right direction. Obviously, I'm going to know that it was you whenever it's all said and done, but I want some signs along the way. And God said, no, no, no. I'll be with you, and this is the sign that I'm with you, that I'm going to fulfill my promise. You're going to come back here and worship right here on this mountain. So Moses said, God, suppose I go to the Israelites, and I say to them that the God of your fathers... Notice the relationship between him and God. Your God, the God of your fathers, that, that, that guy, he sent me to you. But then they ask me, well, what is his name then? What, what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, as we just declared in song, I am who I am. That's what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. With all of Moses' concerns and questions and wondering how this is going to all happen, God's consistent response to him throughout this whole journey, not just here where it began, but the entire way throughout the wilderness and, and all the struggles that they faced, God constantly and consistently responded with this, that he would be with him. <laughs> it's all that God would promise, and that should be enough. You see, Moses felt unqualified and insignificant for the calling that God had placed on his life. Last week, the disciples, they were concerned, and they were confused, and they questioned Jesus. And remember Jesus' response to them? I am. (laughs) I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That was his answer to them. And Philip's like, well, how are we going to know? And Thomas is like, well, how are we going to know how to get there? Jesus just said, I am. I am. I'm the way. I am the way. Later in Moses' life, he again was growing frustrated and overwhelmed with the journey that he was on and and, uh, where God had him in life. Like Thomas last week, Moses just wanted to know the right thing to do. He just wanted to know the path to take. And that's what most of us get concerned with. In our religious mindset, we just want to do the right things. We just want to make all the right choices in life. And what we're again being reminded of is that God is far less concerned about that and far more concerned that you get to know him. If you remember, as I shared last week, and I feel like we're just supposed to remind us again, you know, when God's people were doing everything he said to do, they were celebrating their feasts and festivals, God said he, uh, he despises them. It sickens him. He can't stand it when they get together and do what he told them to do. Why? Because their hearts were far from him. They seemed eager to know his ways, but they didn't really know him. They didn't want to know him. God is far more concerned about our relationship. We'll make the right choices when we're in the right relationship. When we know him, we know his thoughts, we know his behavior, we know his attitudes. We, we, when we really know him, then we can be like him, and, and we will just naturally make the right choices. God wanted... Moses wanted to know God's way so that he could make the right life decisions. But So Moses said this in Exodus 33, starting at verse 13. He said, if you're pleased with me, just teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation, they're your people. This was later down in the journey, Exodus 33. 
So the Lord replied, again, his response, my presence, capital P, the person of God, I will be with you. He said, my presence will go with you. I'll give you rest. And so again, his response was simply that he would be with Moses. And this is his response to you this morning. I know your heart is probably yearning for more answers. You want to know how this is going to happen. You want to know why it's happening. You want to know what you're supposed to do. And God's like, I just want you to get to know me. Just come into my overshadowing presence. There's healing in my wings. There's deliverance from your bondage. There's provision. Just come to me. That's his cry. Just come and get to know me. God's presence should be enough. And that should be what we hunger and thirst for. Jesus is enough. The infilling of the Holy Spirit should be enough. His presence that goes with us. That's where we find rest. That's where we find peace. That's where we find joy. They're all fruits of the Holy Spirit. Everything that you're longing for ultimately are fruits of the Spirit. And they can only be found when we abide in Him, when we rest in Him, when we stay connected with Him. Then we can have all those things no matter what's happening around us. It doesn't matter if you're going through the, the haunted forest of the Wicked Witch of the West with flying monkeys everywhere, you know. You don't have to fear because you got him with you, right? Sorry, it's just what came to mind when I thought of like a, a, a scary place in the path. Because when I was a kid and I saw that scene, man, I was horrified. Anyways, another story for another time. Life is less about making all the right decisions, less about what you do for God, what exploits you execute, and more about really getting to know him and living in cooperation with him. And I could quote you thousands of scriptures, but here's another one from the New Testament. Um, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You may, be, you may think you're saved and you're not even saved. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is hev in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name, did we not drive out demons? In your name, did we not perform many miracles? Then Jesus says, I will plainly tell them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers prophesying, driving out demons, performing miracles. And Jesus said it was all evil. They did it in the name of Jesus. Jesus was glorified and honored and magnified. But Jesus said it was evil. Why? Because it's not about what you do. It's about who you know. You can do things in the name of Jesus and have no relationship with him. Ask the, was it the seven sons of Sceviya? Man, those demons, they beat the snot out of them. They ran out of that house naked and bloody. Why? Because they're like, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? They had no relationship. They were stealing authority. It would be like if I go out there and say, in the name of the law, and I'm not a law enforcer, I'm not a police officer, and people might stop, and then they turn around, they're like, who are you? And they just keep going. Why? Because you're not who you say you are. It's so important to know Jesus is ultimately what matters in this life. Far more important than making all the right decisions, doing all the right things, is just truly getting to know Jesus, having a good, honest, healthy relationship with him. That's the source of everything anyways. When he is your source of life, then everything that flows out of you, you're going to make right choices. You're going to handle things appropriately because you're just going to be walking with the one whom you know. 
So whatever you may be going through, wherever you're at right now on our journey, God's consistent answer and assurance for us, no matter what else we may be asking, is a reminder that he is with us and he is for us. He is with you. He's with you. Moses' role was simply to walk in cooperation with God and to trust him. God would do everything else. He would work whatever miracles he needed to work. He would provide whatever he needs to provide. Nothing was too hard for him. But here's what Moses was called to do, going back to Exodus 3. First, Moses was to go to the elders of Israel. Then he was to go to Pharaoh and request that he'd let them go on a three-day journey out in the wilderness. Just three days. That's it. A three-day break. It's not too much to ask, right? Anybody ever ask their employers for a three-day vacation? They're like, um, well, actually, we're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a simple request, but God said this in Exodus chapter 3, verse 19. God said, I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go. In fact, he's not going to let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. <laughs> so I will stretch out my hand. I will strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. And after that, he'll let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people, so that when you do leave, you won't go empty-handed. You won't go empty-handed. When Jesus sent the 72 and he told them, don't take a purse, don't take a staff, take nothing, nothing for your journey. But he sent them something, didn't he? He sent them with power, with authority. They had everything they needed. Whew, all the mighty things that they did, right? Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold. Ask them for clothing, which you'll put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. How awesome is that? We know the end of the story. They didn't have to fight. They didn't have to battle. Can you imagine just walking over to your neighbor and being like, hey, that gold right there, I, I like that. Can I have that? Your clothes, oh, I love, I love, that, that, I love that dress. You know, can I, just, can I have that? And they, they looked upon them with such favor. They gave them anything that they asked for. They walked away with plunder and they fought no battle. You know what they did? They smeared some blood over their doorposts. They were covered by the blood of the Lamb. And because of that and that alone, they earned favor. Anybody here been covered by the blood of the Lamb? Anyone? Well, Doreen, a few people. <laughs> yeah, you've all been covered by the blood. You get to walk in favor. You get to ask for things and receive them. Jesus said, ask whatever you ask in my name. I'll honor it. If the seven sons of Sceva can go around in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, you know, you go in Jesus' name and, and God honors that. How much more is he going to honor? Did you catch this? Sons and daughters. You are sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Whew. How much more favor should you have? But we see here that there's always a lot of going in the kingdom of God. It's always moving. There's no just kicking back and relaxing in the kingdom. There's always something to do. There's always something to cooperate with God in and to see the miraculous happen. 
And when we go with God, we may go through adversity. We may go through challenges. We may go through hardships. I mean, read your Bible. All of God's people that did anything of significance went through hardships. But we will always get through them. We will always receive a tremendous blessing on the other side of them. We will always be victorious. You will always receive the plunder. God fights your battles, but he gives you the spoils of war. How awesome is that? We're so spoiled. We are so spoiled as children of God. The Pharaoh may have had a hardened heart toward God's people, which God had his hand in doing, right? We know. The Egyptian people favored them. Think about that. Whatever governmental leadership may harden their heart towards you, doesn't stop what God can do. God can soften other hearts. Man, if, if you haven't, just, just read through, you know, some of the, the, um, the, the book of the persecuted church. Uh, we've got magazines out there about what God is doing around the world here and now today. It's amazing. People are set to kill these Christians just because of their faith. And look what God does as a result. I mean, grab some of those things and let it encourage you and challenge you as, as you live out your faith. There's nothing too hard for our God. Because when the hardships were over, God's people walked out of Egypt into his promised land with Egypt's wealth in hand. They walked out with wealth. They received a plunder. Even after God told Moses all of this, though, this is the very next chapter, God told them all of this, all these things were going to happen. Here's what Moses answered. What if? What if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they say, Lord didn't appear to you? Isn't that the, I'm telling you, I think the number one thing that trips us up in our faith is this thing between our two ears here, right? We overthink things. We really think too much. What if? I'm telling you, all the enemy, all that Satan ever has to do and his demons is whisper in your ear, but what if? <laughs> Bethany was convinced last night that someone broke into our house, right? She was horrified. I'm convinced it was just the cat running around because she really thumps when she runs, you know. <laughs> That's all the enemy has to do. Ask what if your fleshy imagination will run wild. You will immediately go to the worst case scenario. Amen, right? We've all been there. We've all went to worst case scenario. Like, I got to call Nate because he's, he's like laying in a ditch with a, in a fiery car dead right now, you know, because he's five minutes late getting home, right? Right? We think worst case scenario. Shouldn't we expect better things of children of God? If not even a sparrow falls to the ground without him knowing, how much more does he care for us, right? We should kind of immediately go to best case scenario. And tell that fear to go in Jesus' name. And that worry and that anxiety, right? I know, I haven't figured out how to do it yet, but let me know for those of you who have. But that's what we ought to do. We ought just immediately, Jesus, this is in your hands. This is in your hands. You've got this. You love me. You care for me. Every one of your promises are yes and amen. Like, you've got this. I don't have to worry. So Moses or the Lord replied to Moses whenever he said, but what if? What if this? What if that? What if that? The Lord said to him, well, what's that in your hand? And we all know how he replied, a staff, right? The Lord said, well, throw it to the ground. Moses threw it in the ground. It became a snake. <laughs> like all mighty men, he ran away from it. <laughs> I don't. I kind of like snakes. but I, I, I threatened to the elders. One of these days, I'm just going to come out here and mess with y'all, and we're going to be a snake-handling church, right? <laughs> no. 
Anyways, the Lord said to him, it's all right, right? Here, we know this story, but do we ever think about this? Moses is horrified. He just ran away from this thing. He knew it was his staff. He knew that it was God who just did that. He knew the Lord was with him and for him, but he ran away from it. Instantly, his flesh responded, right? The same way ours does. And then what does God tell him to do? Reach out your hand. Grab a hold of that thing. Come on. Come on, man. Grab it. You know, see what happens. He said, in fact, he said, take it by the tail. Does anybody, has anybody here ever handled snakes? You do not ever grab a snake by the tail. Because you know what that thing's going to do? Quill right around and bite you. You always pin its head and grab it by the neck. Whichever part of the snake the neck is, right? Right? God told Moses to do something stupid. But God knew what was going to happen. Can we trust God even when he tells us to do something that doesn't make sense? It doesn't make sense. You don't grab a snake by the tail. But yet, God told Moses, so what is Moses going to do? He had no problem throwing down the stick, did he? <laughs> right? I think it probably took a, a little more time for Moses to go grab that thing by the tail, right? But he did it. Moses reached out, he took hold of the snake, and it turned back to his, into the staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, this is so that they may believe the Lord. <laughs> God said, this ain't about you. This is so that they might know and believe. That the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. You see, God's not just your God. God is the God of the generations to come, right? The signs and wonders and miracles he's doing in this generation are to encourage the coming generations to expect even greater things from God, right? Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your coat. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he pulled it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back in his cloak. When he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they don't believe you, if they don't pay attention to the first sign, they might believe the second. But if they don't believe these two signs, if they don't even listen to you, do this. We don't, we don't often think about this miracle. We know about the staff in the hand. He goes on, he says, just take some water from the Nile and pour it out on dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, after, after he just did all these things, leprosy, lepers, you know, threw down a stick, grabbed it. I mean, after all these things, what did Moses say? Same thing we all say. Just, just pardon me. Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since right here, right now, since you're, you're speaking to me. You know I'm slow of speech and of tongue. The Lord said to him, who, and I just, you know this as parents, his patience is starting to wear a little thin. God is gracious. He is patient. I think there's an end to his patience. I think he was growing a little impatient here. This is just my opinion. Who gave human beings their mouths, right? Who? Who makes them deaf? Who makes them mute? Who gives them sight? Who makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go! I'll help you. I'll speak for you. I'll teach you. I'll do whatever you need. It's literally what the Lord says here in Exodus chapter 4. But Moses said, 
please just, just pardon your servant, Lord. Please, just send someone else. I'm telling you, why? Why do we doubt? Why do we think we're so insignificant? Why do we think we're so incapable? Becky thought there's no way that she could sing this morning. I felt worship here in this place. I mean, I'm jumping around. I don't know about everyone else, but the Lord shows up. What does God promise to be? He promises to be our strength and our weakness. It means you got to let your weakness show. It means you got to step out of yourself. You know what you're capable of. God is calling you to go beyond your capabilities. It's the only place where we're going to meet him in the miraculous. is when we are pushed to our limit. And what do we do when we're pushed to our limit? In our flesh, we, we find a fits of rage or we get all anxious and worried and concerned. And, and we're a mess. We are hot messes when we are pushed to our limits. And what does God say when we are at our limit? Go! Go the next step. Grab that thing by the tail. Come on, we got things to do. We got people to set free. We got promises to enter into here. When you are at your end and you're a hot mess, God, I mean, he does care. He loves you. But he knows what you are capable of through him, in him. And that's why he pushes you beyond your limits, past your breaking point, so that he can be your God. Truly be your God, not just by name, not just by acquaintance, but by being himself. I am. He's the way, because he's the only way that things could happen, right? He will take you to that place. And let me tell you, you don't have to be rich or surrounded by hundreds of really close friends. You don't have to be very influential in the world's eyes or to be anything at all when it comes to making a difference in this world for Jesus. Especially for those of you who have children, you have changed the world already by the way you've raised your kiddos. And if you think you screwed them up and it's too late, guess what, grandma, grandpa? It's not too late. You're still mom and dad too, right? It's never too late to make an influence in this world. I mean, I, I think they're the greatest world changers ever. But no matter what, God has given you a sphere of influence over somebody, <laughs> He's placed you here in this community for such a time as this. He has placed a living hope within you. He has placed his very presence inside of your life. That wasn't accidental. That was very intentional. You're making a difference just by being you. Think about that reality. How can you walk with the presence of God inside of you and not make a positive difference somewhere, somehow? I don't care how fleshy you still are and how much you still need to crucify. I don't care how bound by some things you may still have. You carry the presence of God, you're going to make a positive influence. Now, I kind of challenge you, think how much greater of an impact you can have when you crucify those things and get free of those things. But still, too often we discount ourselves. We excuse ourselves away the way that Moses did. Stop doing it. Well, I'm poor. I ain't got nothing. If you got a stick, that's all that Moses need to deliver a nation from evil bondage. You think you can't deliver a nation? He had a stick. Come on. You got more than that, don't you? We live in the America, right? The United States of America. We got, we're so rich and blessed. You got way more than you need. But God will work with you if we just comply with him, if we just cooperate with him, if we just say yes to God when God says go. And he's telling you to go. However, we know there's nothing too hard for our God, right? 
God is everything that we need to make any kind of a difference in our lives and in the lives of those around us, to make a difference in this world. All we need is him. Moses had a speech problem. He had a hand. He had a staff. And that's all that he needed. They were more than enough for God to do the miraculous. Offer up whatever you have to the Lord. Even if you think there's something wrong with it, offer it up to the Lord. If there is, he'll heal it and restore it. If there's not, he'll use it. Did God tell Moses, I'll take away your speech issues? No, he said, you open your mouth and I'll speak for you. He doesn't need you to speak eloquently to speak his word. You don't need a big, bold, like, you know, who did they choose to portray Moses back in the day? Uh, Charles Heston. You don't need a Charles Heston voice, you know. It's obviously biblically inaccurate. You don't need that to say go and to see things go. You know, you can slur it all that you want or whatever Moses' issue was. It's enough. It's enough. All that Moses needed to do is go and just do what God told him to do. Just cooperate with him. But instead, he excused himself away. Excused himself away. Now, long story short, we know that Moses did go. But we know that Aaron was brought along to speak for him. God said, okay, well, this is the situation then. You're going to kind of be like me. And Aaron, he's going to kind of be like a prophet. He's going to speak on your behalf. That's how God described it. Just because God wanted to get something done. He chose Moses. He sent Moses. He appointed Moses. But Moses just wanted to excuse things away. So God said, okay, I'm going to bring someone else along. Like, we're going to get this done. It's going to happen. God was mad about it. He was angry about it. Read the word of God. It says he was angry with Moses at this. But God's also patient. He didn't give up on him. He didn't give up on his plans and purposes for him. He didn't give up on the future that he had planned for Moses, and he hasn't given up on you either. In fact, God is so gracious and merciful and kind that he may bring somebody alongside of you to take care of your excuses. If you think you're too something, he'll give you a security blanket. He'll, he'll give you something or someone to come alongside to kind of help you through that, you know? He'll give you what you need, but he's not going to see you fail. Even when you do fall, he's going to pick you back up. He's not going to see you fail. He's going to see his plans and purposes fulfilled in your life. But we have to do our part. We have to grab the snake by the tail. We've got to stick our hand in our... We got, whatever God tells you to do, whether it makes any sense or not, you've got to go and do what God's calling you to do. You just got to go. You just got to do it. Moses had a rough past. He was a murderer, right? He stood up for a fellow Israelite. Um, and even though he was a Hebrew by birth, by, by his nationality, he was an Israelite. He was raised as an Egyptian. Remember how he got sent off in the basket? And that whole, he was a basket case. I mean, he was a real basket case. Whew, one of the first ones. As a result, here's the issue. Moses didn't know God that well. He wasn't raised as the Hebrew God being his God. In fact, he didn't even really get to know much about God until he got off and he ran away after murdering somebody and he met his wife and his father-in-law. They taught him about the Lord. But Moses still didn't claim that he was his God. He said, your God sent you, you know. He didn't really know him. However, God was going to make sure that they got to know each other pretty well. God was going to make sure of it. God is patient. God is compassionate. God is merciful. And he is toward us as well, even as he was to Moses, right? He is. So long as he gives us our next breath, he's not given up on us. He hasn't given up on his plans and purposes. There is a hope. In fact, every morning that you wake up, there is a new hope. It's better than Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? 
better, a new hope, a living hope, a fresh hope. Not only do we have hope, but we have a glory-filled future. God has taken us from glory to glory, ever-increasing. All that we have to do is get to know God and cooperate with him. God chose Moses. He called him out of the darkness, out of the oppression of Egypt, and he purposed Moses to lead the rest of his people out. God wasn't just taking Moses out of that dark, oppressive place. God was raising up Moses to take others with him. And right here, right now today, this is what God says about you. According to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, God says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. You may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people. I didn't know Crystal. I didn't know Stan. I walked you know, down the street. I have no idea who they were, what they were about or anything. Terry, I still don't know if I should have got to know him or not. But, you know, <laughs> we, once we were not a people, but now we're a people. We're a people. We're brothers and sisters. And we go through it thick and thin, right? We will accomplish God's purposes and plans together. But now you are a people. You are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now. Oh, but now you have received mercy. So now, like all the people have gone ahead of you, like Noah, like Abram, like Moses, like Joshua, like Elijah and his buddy Elisha, like Jeremiah, like Paul, like Peter, and countless others who have ever done anything great for the kingdom of God, you are being called to go. To go. You have the same power, the same authority that they all had. We're being called to go on a journey with God. And I don't know what that journey has for each one of us, but I know that God's with us and for us wherever we end up on it. Not a, and we never have to go through it alone. Not only is God with us, but we got God's people here with us. We got people we can call on when we don't know what's going on and we just need some prayer and need some encouragement. We have been purposed to get to know God better. That's our first and foremost priority as a follower of Christ. Get to know him. Just get to know him better. He's the way. You don't need to worry about what choices you're going to make in life. Just know him. He'll guide and direct you. Remember from last week, he'll be the voice behind you telling you to the right or the left, this is the way, walk in it, right? This is the way. You just... You don't need to know what, you know, like GPS in 2.5 miles, take exit 12. You don't need to know that. All you need to know is when Jesus says, go to the right, I'm going to the right. When he says, go to the left, I'm going to the left, you know. That's all you need to know. And that's about all that Jesus tells you, too. <laughs> I love that. He, he'll give you a great grand prophetic word. This is what's going to happen. But he doesn't tell you how long it's going to be, what all is going to happen in between. He, he doesn't reveal those details. But you can get excited about it. That's God's plan for you. That helps you to fight another day. That gives you courage to wake up and to fight another day, right? God is calling us to go. We are being called to bring others into that same relationship, into those same encounters with Jesus. So that they can catch that same hunger and thirst and desire to know God better. Yeah. 
It's commonly referred to as the Great Commission, right? We've all heard it before. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. How much authority? All of it. How much authority does Satan and his demons have in your life? None. Only what God allows. Only what God permits. See, a lot of us get tripped up theologically. God asked Moses, who makes people blind? Who gives them sight? Who takes away their speech? Who gives them speech? Ultimately, all power and authority is his. Read the account of Job. What did Job have to do before he stole everything from him? He had to get permission, didn't he? Now, did God do it? Absolutely not. Did God permit it? Yeah. Did God restore doubly afterwards? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whenever God strips away from your life, don't, there's a season of mourning and grief. But look to God in your mourning and grief, who can and will restore doubly what's been taken from you, who has much better plans and purposes. Okay, so all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's another message. I don't know where that came from. Therefore, go! And that word, it carries the idea of as you're going, while you're going, while you're living life, while you're journeying through life. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am, right? The great I am. I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. He's with you. He's for you. You see, some people, they're sent out as missionaries in other nations to other people groups, to a people that they don't even know their language yet. I love, just you know, look at our missionary wall back there, those we support. I love those who are going boldly and courageously to live among a people that they don't know anything about, they have very little in common with, but they're carrying the mission to baptize them, to teach them, to show them who Christ really is. However, all of us were born for such a time as this. It's no accident that you were born at this time in history. No accident you were born in the place you were. No accident you were called out to the land that you're going out to, right? Gracie of Arizona, right? Yeah, good people out there, right? <laughs> yeah. You get called out. Get called out for a plan and for a purpose. It's not accidental. God knew what he was doing and he has a plan for us. And we all have varying degrees of influence in different people's lives. I believe God has a purpose in that. We don't even sometimes realize the work that God is doing just because you're there in that place. Even if you don't open your mouth just by the life that you live. And it's not because you live it perfectly. <laughs> just because of the life you live, because you make mistakes and you apologize and you do what you can to make it right. You know, when you just, you're making a difference. You're making a difference in people's life. I, I kind of wish that all of us could get a peek of that. You know, everybody ever watched the Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, you know? I wish all of us could get a peek of that so that you could realize the, the influence you're actually making, the impact you're actually making for the kingdom of God, and you don't even realize it. Neighbors that watch your life, you don't even know their name. You don't even know them, you know? It's a good idea to get to know everybody, but you're making an influence in people's lives, much bigger impact than you realize. All of us are being sent by God to go and to make disciples. In other words, while we're out on our life journey, we are called to invite others to join us and to follow Jesus and to get to know him for themselves. We go with the promise of Jesus with us and for us, even to the very end of the age. The great I am, right? He's all that we need. 
And we need to realize that. He's all that we need. He's the source of all things. The great I am is the way along our journey. The great I am is with us and for us. The great I am wants to speak to us and through us. He wants to move in our lives and through our lives. The great I am does not know the word impossible. There is nothing too hard for our great God, right? Nothing too hard for him. Nothing is impossible for him. The great I am can handle any obstacle, any obstacle in your way. There is no power in hell. There is none who can stand against the power, against the presence of the great I am. And guess what? According to Romans 8, that same spirit, that same I am, that same presence that God promised to Moses, that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave, he's right here in you. He's living in you. So if I have the worship team come forward, minus Marie, you're on your own, girl. Woo! Let's declare that, but let's declare it this morning a little differently. I, make this declaration, make this, 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 I don't know, whatever, to, to the Lord, but for your own life. Maybe some of us this morning just need to speak it to ourselves. The great I am, right? The, the reality that the mountains shake before him. He literally can make mountains shake. Yes. Jesus said, you can say to this mountain, move. Yes. It'll move, Thank right? Just a mention of the name of Jesus. Darkness flees. There's nothing you need to fear. There's nothing you need to be anxious about or worry about. We just got to be close to Jesus. We need to be near to his heart. That's the key. That's the answer. That's the solution. He is the great I am. Stick with him. And you'll see everything work together for good. You will see signs, wonders, and miracles before your very own eyes working for your good. Thank you, Lord. Amen.